2: Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Leslie McClurg in San Francisco. A vaccine mandate for all students 16 and older in San Diego Unified School District can move forward. The Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals ruled in a two-to-one decision over the weekend. Judges had decided more than a week ago that the order would remain in place as long as the district continued to allow exemptions for pregnant students but the district has since lifted that condition. The family of a 16-year-old has sued the district, claiming the vaccine mandate violates her religious beliefs. Attorneys for the family say they plan to appeal the decision to the U.S. Supreme Court. Under the district's policy, students must be fully vaccinated by December 20th, and anyone who isn't will be required to take part in remote learning. California has distributed rent relief to less than a third of the 400,000 people who have applied to its assistance program. KQED's Kate Wolf reports.
3: As the eviction moratorium came to a close this fall, the state encouraged anyone who had outstanding rent payments to apply for rental assistance to stave off an eviction. But months later, hundreds of thousands of tenants and landlords are still waiting on help from the state. Deborah Carlton is with the California Apartment Association and says long pending applications are frustrating for landlords with expenses of their own. We're seeing cases where the application just shows submitted and being processed, but it's taking too long. A spokesman for the state maintains that the agency is turning around most applications in 30 days, but they get different priority based on tenant income, and the process can be slowed down by incomplete forms. For the California Report, I'm Kate Wolf.
2: A warning about this next story. It contains some disturbing descriptions of domestic violence. California, the state with arguably the toughest gun control laws in the country, often struggles to enforce those laws. A new investigation from CalMatters finds the state has failed to take guns away from thousands of domestic abusers. And those failures can have deadly consequences. CalMatters' Robert Lewis
0: reports. Kelly Gray's mom knew something was wrong. Kelly had grown distant after meeting her husband, but when she did reach out, like in this 2018 voicemail, she tried to sound normal.
4: Hey, Mama, I was giving you a call back and wanted to say hi and tell you love
0: that we're about to get on get something to eat. But um, uh, everything's good. I haven't had the baby yet, so I will talk to you soon. Though I'll, I'll let you know. All right, love you. Bye. What Callie's family didn't know was that her husband was keeping her a virtual prisoner in their Central Valley home, beating her with anything he could grab, a fire poker, steel-toed boots, even a hairbrush. Shortly after that voicemail, he allegedly drove her into the orchards outside town, kneeled her down, and put a gun to her head, ordering Callie to say goodbye to the kids. Her mother, Jody Williams, says they learned just how bad it was when Callie escaped to a shelter last year when you
1: close your eyes and you think about what she had to have gone through, and you know, home alone in the dark with him, you know, that's
0: that's nasty. Kelly got a temporary domestic violence restraining order from the Madera County Family Court. State law requires anyone who is the subject of such orders to surrender their firearms. That's because research shows abuse is much more likely to turn deadly when the abuser has a gun. Kelly told the court that her husband was always armed. She mentioned the orchard incident. But what Kelly probably didn't know when she begged for protection was that California's family courts and law enforcement often fail to take weapons away.
1: This has been going on, of course, far too long because too many lives have been lost and we know
0: what needs to be done. Julia Weber is with the Giffords Law Center, a gun control organization. She says judges can hold hearings on guns. They can hold an abuser in contempt if they don't surrender their firearms.
1: California is looked to as a state that has the right policies, the best policies, the safest policies with respect to firearms and domestic violence
0: in place. But she says the state's failing to live up to those laws. And the reasons are myriad. Turnover among judges, not enough resources for extra hearings, lack of communication with local law enforcement. The result is that state records show nearly 4,600 people appear to still have a gun, despite being the subject of a restraining order. And those are just the people with registered weapons.
1: Tragically, we know that these policies are not being fully implemented.
0: At a June 2020 hearing on Callie's restraining order request, a judge ordered her husband, Julio Gray, to stay away. But in spite of all her warnings about his gun, warnings included in her case file, the judge asked just one question about firearms. Quote, Sir, there's no information that you have any guns or firearms or ammunition. Do you think you have any of these items? Julio's reply? No. No. Good morning. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen of the jury. I appreciate uh, you folks being prompt. The tragic story uh, of Callie uh, Gray culminated the, in this same Madera County law. courthouse a few weeks ago when Julio Gray went on trial for her murder. On July 14th last year, he stalked Callie to a doctor's appointment and shot her when she came out as she was loading their kids into a minivan. The loss devastated her family, who hoped she'll be remembered as a sweet soul who died protecting her children. Again, Callie's mom.
3: She made me happy.
2: I love being her mama. I love being her mama.
0: The jury found Julio guilty. He was sentenced last month to life without parole. After the verdict, the judge read aloud another standard court order, telling Julio if he had any guns, he'd need to surrender them. For the California Report, I'm Robert Lewis.
2: The Biden administration has announced plans to reinstate the controversial Remain in Mexico program along the border this week. That's because a judge in Texas ordered it to do so. Under the program, asylum seekers must wait in Mexico, sometimes for months, before they can cross into the U.S. for their day in court. Surprisingly, even as the administration is fighting to end the program, it's also expanding it. Max Rivlin-Nadler tells us
4: what's going on. The Remain in Mexico program, also known as the Migrant Protection Protocols, will now admit people from more countries, the entire Western Hemisphere, though Mexicans are still not included. Kenji Kazuka is with Human Rights First, which monitors the treatment of migrants. It can't be that the administration is truly trying to end this program, but at the same time expanding it. His organization counted more than 1,500 reports of rape, murder, and other violence against some of the roughly 60,000 asylum seekers placed in the original Trump administration program, which ran from January 2019 to March 2020. The Mexican government has said it will transport migrants from shelters to U.S. ports of entry for scheduled court dates, but Kazuka is skeptical that will make it safer. Unfortunately, there are corrupt officials in Mexico who work for the police, who work for the military, who work for immigration services, and they have been complicit in, if not directly responsible for, many of these kidnappings and attacks. The Biden administration says it will ensure that when migrants first come into custody, they'll get time to try to meet with attorneys before they are screened by asylum officials. But Monica Langarica, an attorney with the ACLU in San Diego, says that there aren't many lawyers to take these cases or ways for migrants to find them.
3: No U.S.-based and U.S.-licensed lawyer can adequately represent people who are physically located in a foreign country and who are forced to endure the conditions that MPP imposes on people.
4: The Department of Homeland Security says those who face gender or sexuality-based violence in Mexico could be allowed to pursue asylum from inside the United States, a change from the Trump administration. But immigrant advocates say no asylum seeker sent back to Mexico is safe. The program could restart as early as today in San Diego. For The California Report, I'm Max Rivlin-Nadler.
2: Many Californians dread driving home from Las Vegas after a weekend of fun because they know they'll be stuck in traffic on Interstate 15. Now California and Nevada are hoping to ease some of that congestion. During a news conference yesterday, Governor Gavin Newsom and Nevada Governor Steve Sisolak announced a temporary widening project for I-15 south of the Nevada state line. We're actually in the process right now of moving dollars to begin immediate, relief by taking the shoulder by five miles uh, south and we'll be repaving, restriping, and using that shoulder as a third lane during peak hours. Newsom said the traffic is usually the worst on Sundays and Mondays. The stretch of roadway between the California-Nevada border and Barstow currently narrows from three lanes to two before increasing back to three lanes, leading to major backups. Over Thanksgiving weekend, cars were lined up for nearly 20 miles. The governors say this is only a stopgap measure, and they're working on a more permanent solution. University of California scientists found that sea level rise could flood over 400 hazardous sites across the state by the end of this century. As KQED climate reporter Ezra David Romero explains, many of the places line San Francisco Bay.
1: Scientists identified power plants, refineries, and hazardous waste sites in shoreline cities like Oakland and East Palo Alto. Rachel Morello-Frosch at UC Berkeley says some places may flood hundreds of times every year, potentially polluting neighborhoods. She says black and brown communities are five times more likely to live within a half mile of a polluted area.
2: This tool helps us maybe ensure that the conversation isn't just about property damage, but focused on impacts on people.
1: The scientists base their findings on the worst case climate scenario. That's where emissions keep increasing, the atmosphere warms, and ice sheets melt, causing more than seven feet of sea level rise this century.
2: If we don't change, this is where we're headed.
1: At least 20 hazardous sites in the Richmond area could experience between one and 127 flooding events each year. Ami Revol directs policy for the Asian Pacific Environmental Network and organizes in Richmond.
2: This data really projects worsening health risks that our communities will be threatened by if nothing
3: is done to address sea level rise.
1: She hopes the findings create a sense of urgency for reducing emissions and at least cleaning up pollution. For the California Report, I'm Ezra David Romero.
2: The website Realtor.com ranks the beautiful seaside town of Eureka in Humboldt County as one of the top three most desirable housing markets in the country. Rankings are based on two factors, how fast homes sell in a market, and how many interested buyers are clicking on property listings. In this new analysis, the median listing price in Eureka is $489,000.
4: We're going, this is is nuts. We would have never expected a house to go for a half million dollars when it was just a pretty, fairly simple, new construction, three-bedroom, two-bath home.
2: Andy Parker grew up in Humboldt County. He's worked in real estate for 16 years, and he's a second generation in the business. He says the pandemic is inspiring a lot of people to relocate to rural parts of California like Eureka, leading to low inventory and higher prices.
4: When you have a lot of homes that are priced how we were thinking they should be priced, And people were coming from out of the area saying these prices are really cheap and you have 15 or 16 offers on a particular property. Then it tends to drive up the price of the home because right now it's a supply and demand, which is out of whack.
2: As a realtor in his hometown, Parker says he's in a bit of a bittersweet position. The surge is really good news for business, but the current trend is not sustainable. And that's the California Report for Monday, December 6th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Leslie McClurg in San Francisco. Thanks for listening.
1: Support for the California Report comes from Real California Milk, reminding listeners to take three simple steps to recycle gallon milk jugs. Pour it, cap it, bin it. Learn more at RecycleTheJug.com. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, Focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together. On the web at schmidtfutures.com. And the California Healthcare Foundation, working to build a more effective, compassionate, and just healthcare system on the web at chcforg health-equity. Hi, I'm
2: Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world.
0: I love this place. We were once seen as like the place to be California.